guys, welcome to episode 53 of the Sports Show with Ben and Dylan. We are here today, uh, episode in a little while, but with the holidays and everything, we figured it would be better to push it off uh, until the new year. But here we are, uh, we're here on this Monday uh, to give you guys uh, some recaps for this weekend, for this past weekend's NFL games, as well as talk a little bit about the NBA as well as some college basketball predictions. And we will get into all of that first. But first, a word from our sponsor. As you guys know, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Folgers Coffee is the sponsor of this episode. Thank you to them. And we will get into it here. We can start things off with our college basketball predictions. uh, And we can start things off in chronological order here. Yes, so we have five games. Uh, no, no standouts, but a bunch of a bunch of solid ones, I'd say. So uh, we'll start it off, uh, kicking it off on January fifth, tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, the fifteenth ranked Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, they've been decent in Big Ten play against the twenty third ranked Michigan State Spartans. Um, I would say they've been they've been pretty bad in Big Ten play, but they bounced back to get their first win of the Big Ten season last night against Nebraska, uh, yeah, last night, or, yeah, last night against Nebraska. Um, so we'll start it off, Ben, with your prediction for the game. Yeah, so in this one, uh, I think I'm going to go with Rutgers. Uh, as you mentioned, they've been play- playing pretty well uh, this season in conference, uh, coming in ranked uh, to this game, number 15. I'm going to take Rutgers in this one. Yeah, so I had to think hard about this one because if we're basing off, basing my pick solely off of who I think has been better uh, so far in this season. Uh, it'd go Rutgers, but I don't know. I think Michigan State at the Breslin Center, they're usually pretty elite with their only loss there this season against my Wisconsin Badgers. Um, but, yeah, for my prediction for this game, I, I'm going to go with Michigan State in a tight one. I think Rocket Watts stars. Awesome good play from Aaron Henry and – um, can't remember if it's Joey or uh, Sam Hauser, one of the Hauser twins. Uh, just to confirm, it is Joey Hauser. Uh, he was great against Wisconsin on Christmas Day, and I think he continues that here with a win against Rutgers. Uh, as we can move on to our next game here, which is a- another another good one. Uh, on on Wednesday we have. So it's a random one, sort of, but 19th ranked, 8-1 and one, Virginia Tech versus 7-1 Louisville. Now, Louisville's only loss on the season uh, was against Wisconsin team where they got drugged by 85-48. Uh, but otherwise, this Louisville team has showed some promise. Uh, as for this Virginia Tech team, they suffered a drubbing to Penn State, who is not a good team. So that's sort of embarrassing. But they've had good play, including a win over number three ranked Nova team. Uh, ben, we'll start it off with your prediction. Yeah, so uh, I am going to take going to take Louisville in this one. Now, as you mentioned, only a one loss team thus far. Um, I like them in this matchup. They've had a good season uh, thus far, uh, and, and so has West Virginia. But I think uh, they continue. They keep it rolling. Uh, Louisville does, and I think they got the win. Uh, yeah. So Virginia Tech, Louisville, two like I said, good teams. I. I think I'm going to go with the Hokies here. Um, I'm not confident about it. Louisville, they've looked, like I said, good this season. Uh, but I don't know if I trust their 
ability yet to win uh, games against good teams, especially uh, of that showing against the Badgers. Virginia Tech, I would say, with Duke and Virginia struggling, at least based off of what I see, what I've seen and, and what I sort of think I will see, I would say they may be my pick to win the ACC. They've played some good ball, and I think uh, they continue that at the KFC Yum Center on Wednesday. So we can move on to our next game also on Wednesday, uh, 16th-ranked Minnesota versus 10th-ranked Michigan. Yeah, so uh, in this one, um, Michigan uh, has had a very good season this far, an undefeated season this far, um, and is uh, and is tie or yeah is atop the Big Ten at this point uh, with the record. Um, I think in this one, uh, I like Michigan. I think they continue to roll. Um, they have a big game coming up next uh, Tuesday, which I'm sure we'll talk about on this podcast with. Uh, your Badgers, so that uh, will be an interesting test for them, but uh, at least uh, for now, I think they stay undefeated and I think Michigan keeps rolling. I like them in this one. Yeah, Minnesota most likely has the best player in this game, the Canadian Marcus Carr. He's been awesome this season and and Minnesota, they were off to a hot start. They took one loss in their first game of Big Ten play against Illinois, but then they were rolling uh, beat some good teams, Iowa, Michigan State, and then they ran into Wisconsin and got destroyed. Uh, yay. But uh, as for my prediction, Michigan, led by Isaiah Livers, some other good players uh, are have, look at, have looked, I would say, maybe not clearly, but in my opinion, the best team in uh, the Big Ten in Juwan Howard's second season with the team. I'm going to go with the Wolverines here setting up an undefeated Michigan against what I expect, if everything goes to plan, will be a two-loss Wisconsin team come next Tuesday. Uh, This should be a good game, Michigan and Minnesota. Uh, Go check it out on Wednesday at 8.30. As we can move on to our fourth game here, which is, I mean, before last week, this game would have looked slightly better, uh, but it's still a solid one fourth-ranked Texas against 14th-ranked West Virginia. Now, the Longhorns are coming off a drubbing against Kansas at the Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday, 84-59. to Texas destroyed them. It was stunning. Uh, it was, I think, Kansas' biggest loss ever uh, at, while they were a ranked team at home, something like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'll start with your pick for this game, then. Yeah, so uh, here we have, obviously, West Virginia and Texas. West Virginia... Uh, coming off a uh, a tough loss uh, at unranked uh, Oklahoma. Um, and then on the other hand, we have Texas, who is rolling, uh, like you said, coming off that big win. Uh, and I, I think Texas has uh, a lot of, if not basically all the momentum in this one. And I think they get the win here. I like Texas. Yeah, I'm going with Texas as well. Greg Brown has been great this freshman season so far. And despite a tight loss against also top five ranked, Villanova, uh, Texas has been perfect. Uh, they beat a solid North Carolina team, and I get, I think they get another one here. Uh, I don't know how I feel about West Virginia because uh, we go to games like when they beat, for example, Richmond, uh, who who isn't as great maybe as they were ranked at the time, but but that team looked legitimate. Uh, they looked pretty good against Gonzaga, but then you go and watch them get. Uh, destroyed by Kansas, which is acceptable, and then they lost a game that they certainly shouldn't have against Oklahoma. Uh, if it was not for Emoya, Emoya, we're going for it. 
Amoya Gibson uh, hitting like eight threes and going off. Uh, I, I think I think West Virginia's not that good, and I think Texas handles this one rather easily. I'm going to go with the Longhorns, which brings us to our final game. Now, our final game is a uh, another another very good one um, involving a team we already discussed, Minnesota against Iowa. Now, last time we were in Minnesota, these two teams played, and Minnesota won in an overtime thriller led by uh, the aforementioned Marcus Carr. Uh, now they are in. Uh, or now they're in uh, Iowa City. This should be a good game. Now Minnesota could be uh, ten and three now if they lose to Michigan. But uh, we'll start with you, Ben. Your pick for this game. Yeah. So Iowa's a really good team. Um, I had Mich- I had Minnesota losing to Michigan uh, last time we brought them up. Um, and so here, here they face uh, a, a tough matchup in Iowa, number five ranked. Uh, have star player Luca Garza, who is averaging a whopping 27.5 points so far this season. Um, he's having a great season. I think he has a big game uh, in this one. I'm going to take Iowa as now Minnesota. Uh, two straight losses at the hands of what I think will be uh, M- Michigan and Iowa. So uh, they, they're slipping up, according to my predictions here. So we'll see how uh, that plays out for them. But I like Iowa in this one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Luca Garza has been incredible this season, nothing short of it. He is far and away, I would say, the um, the favorite to win the Wooden Award and all major uh, player of the year awards in uh, the NCAA. Uh, I think this game, it wasn't that it was fluky, but it took some luck to go Minnesota's way to get the game into overtime, and then they outplayed them once we got to overtime. Uh, but I think Iowa is truly a better team. And uh, I would say coupled with Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, one of the three best teams in the Big Ten. I, I like Iowa. I think they win this game. It will be close, but Iowa will still be in control for most of the game. I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes here, which brings us to our NBA uh, storylines. Yeah, so um, we figured um, in the young, with this young NBA season that we have going on, uh, we also have, obviously, the NFL, which is reaching their playoffs. They've finished their regular season, which we'll get to in our next segment. We have college basketball uh, in the thick of their season, uh, like we just talked about. We have college football, which has the national championship game which uh, coming up, which we will talk uh, about at the end of this show. Uh, or not the national championship, just the two semifinals we can touch on. Um so we've got a lot going on, uh, and at least for right now, with the uh, where where there's a lot of games um, with the NBA, we don't necessarily have time to talk about them all. So instead, we uh, we've decided every episode, uh, at least till things cool down, as far as you know, meaning football's over, uh, college football's over. So once once everything kind of cools down, uh, then we'll really get into the NBA as their season starts to heat up. Anyway. Every episode, we are going to do uh, three major storylines that we've picked out um, from whatever the time frame is from our previous episode. Uh, This week, uh, or this episode, we'll start things off here. Uh, We have three storylines, as I just mentioned here. So, our three storylines here, um, if you guys weren't watching last night, uh, Steph Curry had an insane game, 62 points. We'll talk about that. Luka Doncic, uh, both of our MVP picks, 
coming into this year uh, has struggled a bit out of the gate. We will talk about that. And then finally, our favorite team, the Sixers, uh, which have been which have been a bit of a surprise, but I know we both we both certainly have uh, some opinions on that. So we will get to that. First, uh, we can start things off with Steph Curry's uh, incredible performance last night. Uh, yeah, so I was watching uh, the Eagles-Washington game last night uh, because obviously the Giants' playoff hopes uh, relied on that game. We'll get to that later. Just saying, uh, and I go to check my phone. I think it was the midway through – uh, the third quarter, and Steph has 40. Um, and then I check again, I would say, midway through the fourth quarter, maybe like four or five minutes left, and he has 50. And I check this morning uh, when I wake up, and he finished with 62. Uh, the Warriors got a win over the Blazers. They bounced back from a previous loss against the Blazers. Um, it, it was a ridiculous performance, and there was a lot of word, I guess, swirling around about uh, Steph's ability to lead a team and whatever and how he hadn't done that great in a few years. And, and then he did, like, a Michael Jordan, got offended uh, and proved the doubters wrong and dropped a 60 bomb, which easily is the high this season. Uh, what did you think of this performance? Yeah, this was a terrific performance. As with you, I was not watching this game firsthand, but I watched the highlights. And, wow, was Steph Curry uh, – Basically, it seemed like he, he couldn't miss, uh, was shooting from everywhere on the floor and was basically knocking the majority of them down. Uh, as you know, if you've watched uh, the NBA over the last decade or so, you know how special of a player Steph Curry is. And he showed that once again, like you mentioned, there was some talk, um, you know, some talk in general about how, you know, Steph, you know, maybe Steph needs clay. Uh, he can't lead a team by himself. And he certainly shut that down. Uh, as he put up a huge historic performance. Uh, so great game from Steph. Uh, and I know it would have been fun to watch if I was watching it, but certainly those highlights were incredible. Uh, your thoughts on this? Uh, yes. Yeah, so this was a bonkers performance. He completely out, uh, he completely outplayed, I would say not really, but I guess technically his like, position rival in uh, Damian Lillard. He completely outplayed him, proved all the doubters wrong, and the Warriors got a nice win. Uh, Steph, he had been, I wouldn't say he'd been bad to start the season, but the Warriors hadn't been good, and he wasn't shooting the ball too well. So, uh, yeah, this was an incredible bounce back from him, dropping 62, as we can move on to our next storyline. Yeah, so the next storyline here uh, is the fact that, as I mentioned, both of our MVP uh, picks coming into the year, uh, Luka Doncic has uh, has struggled a little bit recently and coming out of the gate. What do you make of this? Um, I would say I would say the Mavericks as a whole have been bad, and um, and the main focus of that is obviously usually going to be your star player. Now, I don't know. I I would hope once uh, Porzingis returns that this opens up the floor a bit for Luka. And guys, guys, just keep in mind Luka has averaged still a solid 24, 6, and 8. Uh, it's not – or 24, 8, and 6, sorry. It's not like he's putting on 10 a game. Like, he, he's, he still has good numbers, but uh, when you couple the, the MVP expectations and the fact that the Mavericks were supposed to be very successful and they haven't, uh, it's been a disappointing season for Lucas Standards. Now, I think this improves, and, and this will start – to improve when you get to face a terrible defense like Houston, as they do today. Luca, I think, 
I'm going with it. He'll score like 40 tonight against a horrific Houston defense, and he'll be rolling from there. I think this was a little fluky, but uh, I would say the Mavericks are going to need to start winning soon before people start to count them out. Obviously, I would say most people who are high on them preseason would still say they are a playoff team, but they sure have been disappointing. Uh, yes, so do you have any final thoughts? No, I, I think in general I agree. You, uh, I think he will be fine. Um, like you mentioned, it's not, it's not, I, I don't think it's necessarily anything to, to overblow. It's more the fact that this Mavs team as a whole has, has struggled. Um, I know certainly I, and, and, uh, a lot of people had, had high and, and you as well had, had high expectations, uh, for this Mavs team and Luca. And, and as you mentioned, he, ha- he hasn't, he hasn't been playing terrible, uh, necessarily. He's actually been playing pretty well, but, uh, when, when you kind of take into consideration, uh, the type of the type of uh, leader or not uh, more play wise not saying he's doing anything wrong as far as leading this team uh, he's the star of this team I think um, especially with Porzingis out uh, I think defenses have obviously taken note of that that he is and, and is fully capable of beating you but that's how this Mavs team is going to beat you is Luke has to play well um, and I, I think they will get back on track. Uh, a, a good matchup for them uh, today against the Rockets as far as defense against uh, Luka's terrific offense. So we'll see. Hopefully he gets back on track, uh, or at least for Mavs fans and Luka fans, which I would consider myself one. He is special to watch when he is on his game. But anyway, we can move on now to our third and final storyline, which would be uh, our favorite team, the Sixers. Now, the Sixers um, have had a good start to the season, our first in the East right now. What do you think of this young Sixers season? Uh, this is a Sixers team that very well could be three and three. Like, you you tell me, you take me to the third quarter of the Wizards game, the Raptors game, both games that they end up having good fourth quarter uh, comebacks. And I, I didn't think things were going the wrong way. They were playing poor basketball, but they ended up getting it done. And that is mostly because of elite play from Joel Embiid, their star center. Uh, I think Embiid has obviously been great so far this season. Also, a uh, shout out to Bias Harris. I am one of his biggest critics. Um, he was kind of bad in the first uh, first game or two. But uh, this last week, he was rolling, even winning Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Uh, I, I don't think anyone should be like excited about the Sixers yet. They haven't beaten any... Uh, particularly good performance. As I said, the Raptors, who haven't even been that good this season, is probably their best win so far. Uh, I, I think this has still by no means been like a, a poor start to the season. It's been successful. Uh, but no one should start hooting and hollering after five wins against average teams. Also, uh, the main concerning thing is that when Joel Embiid was injured uh, against the Cavs, they got absolutely destroyed. I don't know if this is a lack of Joe or uh, just the fact that uh, it, it was just a bad game. But if they really can't win like that when Joel is not playing, uh, it may be a problem because, as we know, he always needs his rest, uh, doesn't always play back-to-back, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, think um, I think I would agree with basically everything you just said. Uh, the, the Cavs' uh, loss was certainly concerning for two reasons. One, the fact that, uh, you know, obviously Joel was out and uh, they looked horrific. Um, 
and that, and you know, certainly with his injury history and, and as you talked about, his resting uh, schedule, that, that is certainly a concern as he is bound to miss uh, more games this season. Um, and the fact that, uh, you know, I don't know, it, it's been a theme with anybody who's watched the Sixers over the last couple of years here, the fact that they have struggled mightily on the road seemingly every season. Uh, so they, that needs to get fixed. Uh, for sure. But overall, I think I agree with everything you said. This uh, said uh, they have a, a bit of a tough stretch coming up, uh, starting off this Wednesday. And actually, the Sixers are playing right now against the Hornets. Um, they have a tough stretch uh, coming up, starting this Wednesday against the Nets. Um, so we will see how that uh, plans p- pans out. Uh, but anyway, that wraps up our NBA discussion uh, for the time being. We will now move on to some recaps. Uh, and discussions uh, about this Week 17 NFL. So we'll start it off with uh, the Giants. Now, actually, no, no, we're going to la- save the Giants till a little bit later because these two games go hand-in-hand. Hand. We'll start it off uh, with the Bills versus Dolphins game. Now, the Bills, they destroyed the Dolphins. Simple as that. They won 56-26. to 26. Uh, This game was basically over from the start. Uh, and, and it ended a very successful, I would say, at least for, for the Dolphins' expectation season for them. Obviously, they missed the playoffs because some things did not go their way uh, down the stretch. But it was still a good season for the Dolphins. Uh, Brian Flores is a coach of the year contender. And, um, and for the Bills, it really continues to show that they can score. And they can score on anyone. Um they they scored 56, like I said, on a at least top 10, maybe top 7, top 5 defense in the league. Uh, and, and it wasn't even close. So uh, the Bills are really coming into their own late in the season. All right, so we got briefly disconnected there. Uh, Dylan was wrapping up talking about uh, the Bills' blowout win against the Dolphins. Now, this was certainly an interesting one. I think it puts um, – it puts uh, maybe, just maybe, with uh, the Chiefs um, not necessarily struggling, but uh, haven't exactly looked at their uh, their best. Uh, a loss this week to the Chargers, in which they sat the majority of their starters, so that is nothing to make uh, any type of big deal about. But we're only able to put up 17 uh, and win by three against the Falcons this week. So maybe, just maybe, uh, the Bills are the team to beat in the AFC. I'm not sure. But moving on, uh, we can now move on to our next game. Oh, wait. Are we going to do player of the game? Because I had a player of the game prepared. I was uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I have a weird one. Maybe you wouldn't give it to him. Maybe you'd give it to someone like Isaiah McKenzie or just Josh Allen simply. But I'm going to give it to Antonio Williams. Now, uh, you may be asking who is Antonio Williams. Now, Antonio Williams, he is a rookie running back out of North Carolina. I've never heard of him. I bet you've never heard of him, and no one else has ever heard of him. But he came in, 12 rushing attempts for 63 yards and two touchdowns. Those were his only carries this season. But uh, good job by Antonio. I'll give him the player of the game. I like that one, but I'm just going to give it to Josh Allen here. Uh, just not nothing too interesting. Uh, 18 for 25 passing. Uh, throwing for 225 yards um, and three touchdowns in the INT. So, good game for him. Uh, he gets my player of the game here. Uh, to our next game, uh, 
next game here is the uh, Browns and the Steelers. Yes, so the Browns and the Steelers, this will be a good – this was a good game uh, despite the Steelers playing with a backup quarterback. Uh, yeah, the Browns, they won a tight one. Maybe they should have won by more considering Mason Rudolph was the starter for the Steelers. But they still got it done. Uh, now these two teams will be rematching, hopefully fully uh, fully staffed as starters um, after or, – or in the playoffs on Saturday, or I think it's Sunday actually. Uh, but – the Browns got it done, clinched the playoffs for the first time since 2002. Uh, as for my player of the game, I'm going to give it to Nick Chubb. Uh, his first touchdown of the game, or, or his only touchdown is a 47-yard dash to the house to give the Browns a 7-0 lead. Um, I think it's pretty simple that Chubb is the player of the game here. Yeah, I agree with that one. Um, not Just maybe not to be boring, I'll, I'll give it to Baker, but I, I think it's Chubb. Baker had a nice game as well, throwing for uh, – 196 yards in the air and a touchdown to go along with 44 yards on the ground. So a nice game from Baker as now we have a rematch of this game uh, next week in the playoffs. Uh, third game here uh, was a thriller. We have uh, the t- we had the Titans and the Texans in this one. Uh, a very interesting game that came down to the wire at the very least. Now this game. Uh, looked like it was uh, all but over as the uh, Titans, or sorry, as the, or this game looked like it was uh, all but over and headed to overtime as the Texans tied things up uh, with uh, little time on the clock. And then a Ryan Tannehill uh, to A.J. Brown bomb uh, that I'm still not sure happened with the Texans in prevent defense. Terrible execution of that play as we had the safety who has one job uh, to stay back on prevent defense play, decides to uh, move up and contest the short route um, and leaving A.J. Brown uh, and the cornerback one-on-one uh, and still a great throw and catch by A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill uh, to set up the game-winning field goal for the Titans. That left us in suspense as well. Uh, the kicker of the Titans... Um, uh, had just joined uh, the team uh, this this uh, past week. Sam Sloman is his name, um, and still didn't know the majority of his teammates. Uh, miss looked like the kick was going to miss, and then at the last second, bent in, um, bent in, and hit the right upright, only to uh, maybe if this. Uh, kick is an inch or two to the left or right, or maybe not to the left. But if this kick is an inch to the right, I think it misses because of the angle it would have bounced off. But anyway, it bounced off the right upright and goes in for the game-winning field goal for the Titans. Uh, a thriller in this one. Yeah, this game was crazy. Uh, incredible play from everyone here except for their defenses. It was a good offensive game. Uh, Deshaun Watson was incredible in the second half, uh, and it was unfortunate that uh, he didn't really get to finish it off with the win. Uh, also, it was, it was pretty impressive how the Texans basically – so the Titans took the 38-35 to 35 lead. It was impressive that the Texans flawlessly drove down the field and tied it up only to have their hearts broken with the Brown, Hail Mary, and then, um, then the game-winning field goal, as you said. As for the player of the game, I think it has to be Derrick Henry. He had 34, ca- 34 carries for 250 yards and two touchdowns, ridiculous numbers. 
uh, from Henry. He's so good. Uh, Tannehill was incredible, too, and, and Brown was great as well. Uh, but I think you still have to give it to Henry. Yeah, I agree. Just to put the cherry on top on this one, uh, Derrick Henry reached uh, 2,000 yards rushing on the season uh, in this game. Uh, so shout out to him. Great season from him. Uh, maybe, just maybe, I don't, I don't think so, but maybe we put uh, Henry in the MVP conversation just because of how good uh, he has been. Award traditionally doesn't go to uh, go to uh, a running back, but we'll see. Um, anyway, moving on to now two games that we're just kind of kind of combined here. First off, we have the Giants and the Cowboys. Uh, the Giants won 23-19. to 19. Uh, We'll talk about this game for a little bit, but this game really didn't end up mattering in the long run. Uh, yeah, it was still a thrilling finish to this game. Uh, so I, I just want to describe this. Well, so... The Cowboys were down 20 to 19. Uh, wait, no, 23-19, sorry. Driving down the field, they got to the red zone. Uh, and then Leonard Williams uh, brought incredible pressure, forcing Andy Dalton to throw off a, a bad pass um, and got picked by Xavier McKinney. That was it. As long as they could get one first down, that was it. The game was over. Um, and then Wayne Gallman happened. Uh, now... This play happened, so Wayne Gallman broke through the hole running like 20 yards. If you're a smart NFL running back, you go down. Uh, but Wayne Gallman wanted that touchdown, uh, so he kept running. Then, uh, so so me and my dad were celebrating, right? Uh, then he started uh, running, and, and then all of a sudden he fumbled. And, it, and we thought the Cowboys had it, and then they called that the Giants still had it, but then they overturned it, and then they went to the review, and luckily – uh, somehow, Gallman uh, uh, salvaged the ball between his rear ends, um, and somehow he recovered that ball. It was it was a wild sequence of events. Yeah, for sure. Um, the butt recovery, if you will, didn't come out with that one myself. But anyway, uh, who for player of the game in this one? Uh, I'm going to give it to Leonard Williams for constant pressure all game, ending up with three sacks. Um, and a couple of tackles uh, to go along with that. How about you? Um, uh, so I would give it to Leonard Williams. Offensively, Sterling Shepard was very good. Uh, but just want to touch on one more thing. Um, holy God, Evan Ingram is so bad. Um, he he not only earned a trip or, or earns a trip to the virtual Pro Bowl, uh, but. Uh, he almost was the reason we lost this game. Uh, we were driving. We were making a little bit of a drive. Uh, Daniel Jones throws one of the better passes of his career. It was an absolute dot to Ingram. Ingram drops the ball. It gets picked. Um, what did you expect? He's so bad, but uh, it, it's fine. Also, last thing, sorry, uh, I want to touch on about this game. Uh, what did you think about the the Dante Pettis on, uh, or to set up the fourth and sixth, they clearly did not catch, and Mike McCarthy just did not challenge it. What did you think about that? Because that was probably a game changer there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, for for those of you who don't know what we are talking about, uh, a short route by Dante Pettis, um, where it is he, he uh, seeming or according to the officials caught the ball, but he watched the replay multiple times and is more than clear. Uh, that the ball hit the ground before he had possession of it. Uh, so it should have been an incomplete pass. I don't know how obvious that was from the sideline. Uh, but, I mean, they were showing the replay on the big board, and Mike McCarthy was clearly contemplating 
uh, whether or not to challenge it. Ended up not challenging it. Uh, obviously, a bad call in a bad call in retrospect. I, I think he should have. Um, I think he should have challenged it, but uh, the challenge, no challenge thing. I mean, it, it's tough. Um, you know, you're you're not. It's it's kind of uh, a split second decision um, from from watching the play to maybe you're lucky enough uh, to to get a look at it on the big screen. But I don't know. It, it, in retrospect, he obviously should have uh, challenged it, but decided not to. Uh, yeah, which brings us to our final game here. Uh, the game that the Giants playoff state rested on. Uh, obviously needed an Eagles win against the football team, which would have tied the Giants and the football team and the Cowboys also up. Giants would have had the tiebreaker, and that would have been that. And everything was going to plan. Uh, the football team were up 17-14, to 14, had the ball in about in, – in around their 20, I would say. Uh, and then – uh, Alex Smith threw a ball that uh, it wasn't a terrible pass. It wasn't a great one, but was incredibly caught by some random corner on the Eagles. Uh, so the Eagles got it around the five or they got it to the five. Uh, they stalled out for the next three plays. And uh, instead of tying the game, Doug, the tanker Peterson, uh, decided to uh, go for it. Of course, it was not even close. Uh, then we got another stop. Or the Eagles got another stop. And, um, we get news that Nate Sudfeld is being put on the field to test him out. Obviously, it wasn't to test him out. It was to secure the sixth draft pick. But uh, Giants fans, Giants players on Twitter, everyone related to the Giants was um, upset about this. It was it was truly unfortunate that uh, one of our bitter rivals had to do it like that to us. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean – Washington did not want to win that game. If if you watch the turnovers, the fumbles, it was, I mean, not that they didn't want to win it, but the way they were playing, they did not have a good game. The game was basically being handed to the Eagles on a platter. And did they take it? No. Instead, they decided to put Nate Sudfeld in. Um, as angering as this is, in all honesty, as as a true Giants fan at 6-10 and 10 with, um, with some of the, the losses uh, in, in games that they played, I don't think they deserve the playoffs, and and really they they shouldn't have been they shouldn't have put themselves in this situation. Um, but you know it is what it is. Um, unfortunately, that's how things played out. And and whether that move was to secure the number six draft spot or to smite the Giants, either way, um, it was disappointing and and definitely angering as a Giants fan. Uh, yes, so. Uh, now for our player of the game, I think this one's quite obvious. Constant pressure after constant pressure after uh, absolutely scaring me rooting for the Eagles. He's a scary man, big man. Uh, Chase Young, it's incredible. He was there every time. And uh, the second you, uh, or at least for me, the second I saw him break through that O-line, I started yelling at Hurts through the TV, get rid of it uh, because that is a big man coming at you. Uh Chase Young is a monster. I think he wins the player of the game. Yeah, I have to agree with that one. He had a uh, phenomenal game, and this is not just to try to agree with you on everything. No, I have truly agreed with uh, both of all of the player of the games here. Anyway, uh, that wraps up our football conversation uh, for this week. We will uh, talk more football 
on Friday when we give you guys our predictions for the NFL playoffs before Super Wild Card Weekend, which starts Saturday and Sunday. But for now, we're going to uh, briefly, briefly get into um, get into uh, the two college football semifinals that we had uh, this weekend. Uh, I don't, I don't think a recap is necessary. Just uh, give you guys a brief overview. So the earlier game uh, at four o'clock. Eastern time. We had Notre Dame and Alabama, number four ranked Notre Dame and number one ranked Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Um, Alabama was heavy favorites and delivered for sure. A commanding 31-14 victory. I don't have too much to say on this. Um, a, a commanding win for Alabama as they move on to uh, to the national championship. And then in the later game, the eight o'clock game, Justin Fields lights things up as number three ranked Ohio State Beats number two Clemson 49 uh, to 28. Uh, another commanding victory, and Fields having a terrific uh, day. Uh, one thing to highlight: he took a tough hit uh, early in the game and appeared. I I, I assumed, and, and it looked like he had to uh, have broken ribs or something along those lines. Um, and no, he continued to tough it out. Reports are that the uh, medical doctors were unable to give a diagnostic, whether it was that or Ohio State just really wanted to win the game. Fields toughs it out and continues to have a terrific game. Uh, so we have an Ohio State-Alabama uh, national championship game. Any comments on these games? Uh, not much. Uh, just the fact that uh, Dabba Sweeney got what he deserved for ranking Ohio State 11th in his final uh, poll that he did. Uh, it, it was a big case of karma, if you ask me. Uh, Justin Fields played incredible. Now, does this uh, change my outlook on the draft? No, it doesn't. Um, it, it, Trevor Lawrence is still the best player in the country, and he still should be the number one pick, assuming everything goes right for him in terms of the combine pro- process and whatever. Uh, but Fields, uh, with that incredible performance, and if he could cap it off, winning a national championship on Monday, uh, I think there's a legitimate possibility that he could be number two to the Jets or the Jets trade down and another team traded up. Anyway, number two. Uh, but I don't really have much else to say. Uh, show yep, so wrap this up. wraps up this episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back Friday with our NFL playoff prediction as well as uh, some a few other things. Yeah, until then, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.